I don't think you can be the mom, Patrick, because you never wear a shirt. You're right. If I was a mom, this would be kind of shocking. Just call me daddy! Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Today's episode is Rockabye Bivalve. It is the second half of the 49th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and it first premiered on March 29th, 2002. The episode was written by Jay Lender, Sam Henderson, and Mark O'Hare. Our storyboard artist is Mike Roth. Our storyboard directors are Jay Lender and Sam Henderson. Our animation director is Sean Dempsey, and our creative director is Derek Dryman. Rockabye Bivalve, uh, whether we like it or not, is one of the more controversial episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. And it's a real shame because uh, in, in my world, this is one of my favorite episodes of season three. It has some of my favorite jokes, some of my favorite moments. I, I mean, certainly in terms of memes, it, it has some of my favorite meme content in this episode. There, there's so much about this episode that I love. And yet, you know, constantly, you know, not anymore. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, but especially when this episode came out and the the years that followed, the conversations that the media in America that were happening around SpongeBob SquarePants were, were just, they were taking away from the quality of the writing and the jokes and just the overall content of the cartoon and instead trying to take little moments of a cartoon or decisions that one character may make or may not make and then all of a sudden has to has to connect it to real world issues and therefore the creators are making statements and all of that just just is is muddled and and really unnecessary now as far as the conversations outside of SpongeBob that you could have with this episode and I'm not going to pigeon toe around the controversy, but, uh, it, you know, I know that I may have listeners outside of America who, who may not understand what that means or, or even just the, the word, you know, controversy. And I, I want to at least explain things in the best way possible uh, while also being completely respectful uh, in, in the same way. So uh, without further ado, the, the controversy around this episode stems from uh, those in the media in America and, and possibly elsewhere around the world who took the plot of this episode of SpongeBob and Patrick forming a partnership to take care of a infant scallop as the promotion of gay marriage, which uh, unfortunately is a controversial thing. Uh, to me, it's marriage. And what is marriage? Well, it's, it's when two people you know, beyond just loving each other that much they're deciding to to sign together a bond in in their state in their country that gives them certain rights as you know as one another's partner uh beyond that if you bring arguments you know beyond what is signed on that paper i mean that's that's what is important in your world to talk about but for me uh i, I what's the problem what's the problem here and and honestly when when we have a cartoon that is is completely innocent and is just here to have fun, tell jokes, uh, have a have a nice little uh, marriage humor for SpongeBob SquarePants, 
why do we have to extend the conversation beyond just laughing at the cartoon maybe talking about some some likewise experiences you may have had with some you know like what some of the characters have had in the episode you know was what I do on the show and and yes maybe I'm a little biased but uh you know there there's just one part about ta- talking about cartoons and and the real world experiences they can bring up in our in our thoughts there's a whole other part where you're just trying to cram information and opinions into something that just shouldn't be there like don't there's no need to do that there's no need to do that and it's disgusting it it really is i remember being a, a young you know teenager at the time when this episode premiered i was i was 11 12 you know going on 12 and and i remember a lot of what the media was going around with that spongebob was gay to think that so much of the news and so much of the time of that era was wasted talking about the apparent sexuality of a cartoon character is is it's eye-opening i i lived through it i'm sitting here looking back and and just thinking wow were people that bored was there really nothing going on locally, globally to talk about other than what? I, my goodness. And it's so silly because, once again, any of these those extra kind of conversations that these people were having have nothing to do with the show, has nothing to do with the episodes at hand, it has nothing to do with the writing. And I think it's just their, their constant insecurities that they're ha- having and, and finding likewise media to bring up to continually talk about their insecurities. That's the only thing I can I can think about, but um, I, I'm bringing it up in a, in a historical sense here because it's, like I said, it's one of those things I can talk about this episode uh, without bringing up any of the controversy because it's just one of the funniest episodes of the show and stands on its own two feet. But um, just when it comes to this podcast and when I personally want to talk about these episodes, I also want to talk about uh, my personal feelings. And if there were things going on in my life when these episodes dropped, that's the point, you know, talking about SpongeBob and also talking about real life. And the reason why I'm so, you know, maybe a bit amped up about this is because as, as I mentioned, being a SpongeBob fan at this time also brought a barrage of comments and disparities uh, towards me and the character. Anytime I would wear a SpongeBob shirt, there would be comments at school, in public. I, I'm not going to repeat any of those comments here, but you, you got to understand now these days, of course, SpongeBob is, is well above and beyond that. And and it and I love seeing that it's it's literally being on the other side of the rainbow like it, it's like making it it's being so such a cultural icon that anybody out there can wear SpongeBob. You could be you could be any person of any culture of any race any gender any pronoun. You could be the toughest of tough guys and rock a SpongeBob tank top in 2022 and nobody is going to look at you sideways. So look at the look at the momentum we've had in the last 20 years, but you know, just thinking about it. 
going back and just you know and and it's it's there there's some specifics but uh you know it, it also felt that anytime the media was was coming down hard on the cartoon and and just trying to kind of drag it through the mud for no reason even as a kid i thought it was silly and and it just it felt like an attack you know i mean any anybody out there even if you're not a fan of spongebob squarepants if you're a fan of something and the media unfairly attacks it it, it feels a little like you might not take it personally but you, you definitely you're you're sitting there like i want to tell this person they're wrong but i can't and you have those internal uh, thoughts i i don't know there's there's a lot but beyond what had happened when this episode dropped 20 years ago uh, 20 years later, this episode right here, still one of the best of SpongeBob SquarePants. It's one of my favorites of season three, and it's simply one of my favorites of the series. Like I had mentioned earlier, some of my favorite jokes that we're going to get into. And, uh, and this episode beyond my, uh, my love for what it stands for. Uh, I, I also, it has a warm place in my heart because as a kid, I remember many times uh, coming across infant animals and wanting to nurse them back to health, wanting to to do what I see people do on Facebook. You know, those videos pop up people who saved, you know, a baby squirrel or a baby turtle or there, there's so many of those just beautiful one off stories. And I always wanted to do that. And the one time I tried saving an animal, it, it literally uh, was one of the worst decisions of my life. I'm not going to get into it right now, but um, definitely uh, my heart is always in the right place when it comes to animals, when it comes to people. Uh, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's just best to, to walk away from a situation. Uh, but but our, our characters do not walk away from, from the situation they find themselves in. But uh, before we get there, we got to start out with the delivery of the news because we finally have a, a newspaper delivery here on Conch Street. We've seen the mailman come up a few times, uh, but I don't know how many times we, we've seen the, the paper boy pop up. Now, with when SpongeBob gets excited about the newspaper, my first thought is that he's excited to, to read the comics in the newspaper. Uh, I, I remember it growing up, the, the newspaper that my father would read every Saturday. Uh, he would immediately pass over the comics section, and then he would also pass over the like the the ads, the things that people would post to sell, because sometimes you'd see, you know, like video game stuff on there. And rarely did I ever call, but uh, maybe it happened once. But yeah, the the, the comics in the, the newspaper were always a delight. So I figured SpongeBob would want the comics, but he doesn't even want any bit of the newspaper because what he is after is the entertainment section of the newspaper. For those that uh that don't know what that is, apparently it is the rubber band because that is all SpongeBob is after. I find it completely hilarious that he must have a news subscription and is only after the rubber band. Now he calls Gary over, who gladly accepts the newspaper on his little motorized skateboard. There's the the few bits of Gary we get in this episode. There he he is living an entirely different life. In this episode, you know, you would expect that SpongeBob's pet would be written into an episode where he is adopting essentially a new pet. But uh, but nope, Gary, Gary is off doing his own thing, riding around on this motorized skateboard. It reminds me of how a lot of animals like like bulldogs learn how to skateboard or little parakeets. And, and there's the occasional cat. But it's it's nice to see Gary have this have this little 
motorized skateboard and not that it ever really makes an appearance again but just that it comes completely out of nowhere it's not talked about or mentioned it's just it's he's on it today and and gary is actually reading the newspaper now what what spongebob does with the rubber band is one of my favorite little spongebob moments if you asked me top 10 spongebob moments of little nuanced things the character has done this is in that top 10 list. I don't know if it would make top five, but the the fact that he takes the rubber band and he stretches it around himself so that the rubber band from the top of his head to, to his bottom squishes down and he makes himself like a little bow tie and, and then he just gleefully runs around as Gary rolls his eyes. And it's it's kind of funny because just like with the skateboard thing, there's a, there's so many videos online of pets rolling their eyes at owners and whatnot and, and here's Gary doing it. Uh, and, and it just... It's nice to see Gary have these little little moments, even though the the episode might not be about him. Although I I feel like I I would have done a bit more with Gary here. Uh, now SpongeBob is running around, bumps into Patrick, who is also donning the entertainment section, just like SpongeBob. And it's just this little moment where the characters bump into one another. I see you got the paper. And it's so weird that following one of my favorite SpongeBob moments. Uh, follows one of my favorite SpongeBob and Patrick moments. I don't know why this little meetup of the two uh, I, brings a smile to my face, but it reminds me of my best friend. And uh, and yeah, I, I like I don't know what about it. It's just sublime. I can't explain. It's just there's no words. It's just a little nuanced moment in an episode that brings a little smile to my face. I absolutely love it. But these two characters meet up. And there's really nothing to talk about. They just kind of stand there for a second. You know, they're enjoying the space that's around one another. And and then SpongeBob has to go somewhere. They literally meet up. The rubber bands snap off. They they stand there. There's really nothing to talk about. And then SpongeBob is going to be off on his merry way. There is then a chirp coming from a little bush that is on the ground right near them. Both characters come back thinking that one another said something or... You know, they heard something. Well, either way, there must have been nothing. See you, see you later. They leave frame again before the chirping happens once more and the characters come back uh, into frame. They eventually discover that the chirping is coming from the bush. And what they discover is that in the bush is a little baby scallop that has been abandoned. Um, we really never see the mother or father show up in this episode, so it is 100% an abandoned scallop. Sometimes in, in these cartoons where uh, the characters discover a, a baby animal and take care of it, and, and yes, there, there are kind of many ways you can, you can end those stories, but a lot of them usually have the, the original parent show up and, and then the baby getting released back to the, their parent. This this episode doesn't have that that course. Spoiler warning. The original uh, parents of the scallop never show up. So it's it's very sad that that the scallop was just completely left to its own vices, but well, it's certainly lucky that SpongeBob and Patrick came across it because I I for one couldn't think of uh, better parents to have. Now SpongeBob and Patrick uh, decide to take care of this scallop. It's the best course of action. Uh, they don't want to leave it outside. You know, well, honestly, I might think that that would be the best case. Now, scallops in the SpongeBob world are based off of birds. They chirp, they fly. Uh, so 
think of coming across a baby bird uh, out in the forest. Your, your first course of action really would would be to assess how you know where it's fallen. You know, do you see the nest? Are the parents around? You shouldn't just grab an animal right right away because in some cases, the second you touch a baby animal, um, they'll tell you that the parents will will lose interest. You know, they will think that oh, the baby's done and they will just they will leave. They will not wait around. They won't keep an eye on it. They will just see you handling it or or even after you've touched it, if your scent has been on it. There are some species of, of, of animals out there that actually do that. So you got to be careful when coming across a baby animal out in the wild. But um, coming across a baby bird can be one of those situations where it is best to just not not help right away and maybe just get in touch with somebody who, who professionally deals with birds. And I'm sure if you're a part of uh, some sort of local forum on Facebook or, or people around your area... You know, if you come across a baby bird, I would say your best course of action is to, is to reach out to there um, and, and try to find somebody who, who could know, you know, what properly to do or maybe guide you into and what to do. Um, but SpongeBob and Patrick decide, you know what, we can take care of this. We can we can handle this uh, this situation and, and take care of this scallop. They bring it inside of SpongeBob's pineapple, give it a nice little home inside of SpongeBob's square pants. It's the best seat in the house which brings one of my favorite Gary moments, Gary simply providing SpongeBob with uh, with a rim shot. Uh, for those that don't know what a rim shot is, it is the uh, sound of the symbol sound that comes uh, after a joke. U usually to me, the rim shot is funnier than the joke itself. Um, uh, let's actually try one right now. Why, Why does, does Gary, Gary the, the snail, snail never, never share, share his, his kibble? kibble? Because, because he's shellfish. I I am a big fan of the rim shot. Uh, I don't know why. Now, SpongeBob and Patrick are trying to figure out what is wrong with the scallop. It, it's chirping. It's it's seemingly distressed in some way. So they're trying to figure out, uh, it you know what what's going on. And the first step, honestly, would be to to try to feed a baby animal. It must be hungry. SpongeBob tries to feed it a Krabby Patty in which he understands he made a mistake and, and then offers the scallop a little baby Krabby Patty in which it doesn't want. Now, I am I am shocked that SpongeBob doesn't have the same veracity towards this scallop as he did with Squidward when he didn't want a Krabby Patty, but I guess, I guess animals are, are, you know, mystery is allowed to have Krabby Patties, but, but uh, Junior here, no, he can't. He, you know, if he doesn't want one, he gets a pass. I mean, come on now. This is just ridiculous. Sp Patrick offers Junior a donut to which he is still kind of yucking all of that kind of food away. He doesn't want, quote unquote, people food, doesn't want SpongeBob's French fries either. And he definitely doesn't want Patrick's bitten donut when he offers it a second time. Uh, SpongeBob only has an apple left in which we get a appearance by a worm who is greeting us from Apple World. It is uh, a, such a surreal little moment in this episode um, and is one of my favorites because the scallop is certainly in love with eating that worm and SpongeBob obliges offering to feed Junior the worm. The, the sentient worm, by the way, who, who greeted us from Apple World, which I don't know if he's just being cute. I don't know if there's an actual city inside of that apple 
or if he's just, you know, claiming that the Apple that he resides in is Apple World. I don't know, but it he uh it, it's a funny little moment here. It it kind of reminds me of uh of the worm from Rocco's Modern Life, the Fish and Chumps episode, which which I've always talked about. Steven Hillenberg actually directed that episode, so uh, the idea of the sentient worm and and just yeah I absolutely I love I love that bit love that bit a lot. We next get SpongeBob trying to calm the scallop down because after it ate the worm it was still crying it was still freaking out. SpongeBob tries a little puppet of himself. We get this little fake moment where you think it's SpongeBob making all these weird faces, but then the camera pulls pulls back. And we see that SpongeBob is, in fact, using a little puppet of himself. But I love that after you see that bit once, the second time you watch the episode, or even while you're watching, you'll notice that on the left side of the frame, you just ever so slightly see the corner of SpongeBob, SpongeBob's body. So once you know it's the puppet, you kind of know what you're looking for. But if it's your first time watching, I don't know if you'll you'll first notice that. Like, it's not too much of SpongeBob, but it's enough so when the pullback happens, you know, you're not, it's not a total shock. You're like, oh, that little bit expanded and it's SpongeBob. Uh, now, Patrick seems to understand what it is that needs to be done with this, this situation, and that is to, to clean the diaper of Junior. Uh, he seems to understand when uh, there's certain distress calls, I guess, for, for certain needs and decides, I don't know, this whole sequence is just bizarre, but he lifts up the top part of the scallop and from there it seems to know that his diaper needs to be changed, but he's a wild animal. How, how would he know that his, di his diaper would need to be changed, but he wasn't wearing a diaper? So he made a mess and, and I, I don't know, Patrick just knew that, that he just needed to be changed, which of course needed to happen to get to an, an eventual joke that is an iconic part of this episode. We'll get there later, but uh, Patrick reveals that he, he knew about this situation because he himself wears diapers. Uh, he, he displays his diaper and, and is fully proud that he is now a, a year on of being able to change himself, which means that more than a year ago, someone has been, been needing to change Patrick, whether or not it was his parents or if he had a visiting nurse, but uh, we don't need to look too much down into that route. I, I think the the less we know about that situation, the better. I mean, we know that by the first movie, he has, has even uh, gone from wearing diapers to goofy goober uh, party underwear. So we know that at some point, he becomes fully potty trained and doesn't need the use of diapers. So I, you know, I'm I'm applauding Patrick's uh, little accomplishments here. You know, yes, the year thing might be a joke to some of you, but hey, you know what? Uh, so I'm supporting supporting the boys. That's that's what you got to do. And no matter what, you got to be there. You got to support the boys. So uh, now, after this discovery of Junior, SpongeBob and Patrick realize that as a team. They were able to solve both the hunger problems and the changing problems of this baby and that maybe they should just adopt him themselves and take care of this baby scallop themselves. Uh, what proceeds is what everybody got their uh, knickers in a twist about 20 years ago over 
that's a that's an old school term. I don't even know why that was the first thing that came to mind, but I I don't know. It, it, it as silly as that as that term is, the the uh, the people who got upset about this episode like that's that's just as silly. Uh, now SpongeBob and Patrick have this discussion over who should who should be the mom and dad of this uh, of this of this couple. Now, look, it's just. It's kids playing house, basically. I mean, they have a baby scallop, but they're they're going above and beyond in this in this story for comedic purpose. It's a joke that SpongeBob and Patrick take parenting a baby scallop to such a high degree. I mean, it's it's this is not new. This is SpongeBob and Patrick. Everything that they do, they take something tiny. And they just explode it beyond what your imagination would would take. I mean, uh, even even thinking of episodes like Wormy. I mean, playing with a worm. They have all these cool animals around them. But then SpongeBob and Patrick zero in on the worm. And and Wormy is great because Wormy then plays hide and seek with them and is able to apparently do all these other cool things. Um, but. Uh, yeah, they they this is this is the formula that they have been following. So to get upset that they pick roles and and decide to move in with one another and decide to have this like fake marriage, it's this is all for the comedy. I mean, if if Monty Python would have pulled on a skit like this, you know, decades earlier, people would have been laughing in their seats if it was two guys do pulling this kind of, you know, because essentially, I mean, when, when you get to the scenes where it's Patrick and SpongeBob inside of the pineapple, the whole homestead, it, it kind of reminds me of like a, a multicam sitcom, you know, like with Patrick leaving and coming home. And we, we only get like these these certain scenes with them as parents. And, and that's what it reminds me of. But I, I don't know, like the, all of the, all of this is in good fun. And, and this is this is absolutely fun that we're having. So. SpongeBob and Patrick decide that uh, that SpongeBob should take the role of the mother because Patrick doesn't wear a shirt, and you know I when they zoom out of Patrick at this moment, we we he says if if I were a mother this would be embarrassing, uh, which is not saying that you can't be a mom and look like that because you absolutely can, but uh, I I just I love the extra adages of the the body hair. The I, I mean, that's a Captain Eric stomach right there. And uh, I, I don't have an anchor tattoo, but let me tell you, if I get that anchor tattoo and take off my shirt, it's maybe not as bad, but that's a pretty close approximation. The arm hair, the underarm hair is a is a no go. I am not as wild as Patrick when he when he decides that uh, he's going to be daddy lifts up his arms and you get these massive like bushes coming out of his his underarms. Uh, but what follows is this wonderful little sequence. We go into a montage of sorts of SpongeBob and Patrick just going above and beyond in their parenting duties. I mean, this is a baby scallop. It, you don't need to do this much, but SpongeBob and Patrick do. When they leave the house, Patrick is dressed up like they're they're dressed up as like 19... I don't know if it's like 1930s or 40s or 50s. It's it's one of those old eras uh, of like what people would dress like. Patrick with the with the brim hat and the bow tie. They have the classic little baby carriage for Junior. 
uh, SpongeBob is in a like a Minnie Mouse type dress with a with a flower hat and has a parasol and it just this is this is hilarious. My goodness, the fact that they're dressing up to this degree to walk their baby scallop. I mean, can you imagine two people finding a baby bird and putting it in a little baby cart? And walking around town dressed in like old timey gear. Come on now, that's just hilarious. They do they do uh uh come across two other parents on their stroll who stop and assess this situation that they have here. They they have this little thought bubble sequence of of sponge plus starfish equals scallop question mark and it like. The fact that these people can't d- discern what could have happened. I mean, like in their world, sca- scallops are birds. So they can't see a baby bird in a baby carriage and just not know that it was adopted or found or abandoned. Like they have to try to assume that there's more here. I don't know. Uh, they, of course, then uh, go over to SpongeBob and Patrick, continuing their their frolic with Junior, taking him to the park, which is is very cool parenting stuff. They also share with him in his first bird bath experience as a scallop. Um, they they get some ice cream, of course, a big old scoop of vanilla for Dad, and then uh, Junior gets a nice big old scoop of vanilla with worms. I like that that's at the ready at the ice cream stand, like they have worms available. And just to just to add the cherry on top of the old timey stuff. The family decides to take a ride on one of those old-school bicentennial bikes, the ones where it's just one big wheel followed by a really tiny one. I, my God. Um, I, I have seen uh, enough footage in my day to know that those things are, are very dangerous. They're, they're pretty cool, but uh, eventually going back and forth through the screen and being in different positions. We eventually see junior being left to his own accord, driving the bike off the Hills while SpongeBob and Patrick chase off their, their infant son alone on a bike. We then get back to the pineapple in which you would think at this moment, Patrick would just go back home. I mean, he lives two doors down, but he is instead moved in with SpongeBob and we get this visual gag where I love like if if for these people who who would get upset at this kind of episode, look at this and think that both characters are getting into the same bed with one another. Patrick gets in on the left side. SpongeBob gets in at the right. They're looking at each other, but the camera is zoomed in close enough that you only see the characters. You don't see them in the bed with one another. And when we finally see the camera zoom out, we find that instead of being next to each other on the same bed, Patrick has instead... Uh, uh, taken residence in between SpongeBob's mattresses. So SpongeBob has a, a box spring. Patrick is laying on top of that, or I'm assuming it's a box spring. I don't know. That's just how beds are over here. Uh, so it's a box spring, Patrick, and then two mattresses on top of Patrick, and then SpongeBob on top of that. Now, Spon- uh, Patrick stays under a rock, and we've seen in episodes, sometimes he stays in a bed, Sometimes it's an expansive apartment under that rock, but sometimes he literally stays under the rock and that rock is really up against the ground. He doesn't need much space to sleep. So he's able to sleep in this situation and and the the bed closes down on Patrick. The next morning is is the first morning of this family together that we see. 
Patrick comes down to to breakfast wearing different pants, wearing a, a shirt and a an untied tie. And it's it's just funny that he's immediately like, I'm going into dad mode today. SpongeBob has made breakfast of my goodness. I am a breakfast fan and I just see this spread and uh, this is this is my ideal breakfast here. I mean you have over easy eggs, you have hash browns and bacon, there's some cereal, there's some toast with with some butter, orange juice, coffee, blueberry muffins, some pancakes, sausages, and then of course, Kelpo cereal. Part of a balanced breakfast. Um I love that there's also the coffee is in dad's mug. Just the just extra little bit of comedy to add to this. They're they're already in like full fledged like sitcom mode. The music behind this is just classic music we've heard in Ren and Stimpy. Classical music you would expect in these like old timey sitcoms. And that's what it's that's the feel they're giving off. And I think they they stick the landing one hundred and ten percent in this episode. And and the choices they go with are you know, if they go with any commentary in this episode, it has to do within the marriage itself and, and not specifically their genders in the marriage. But Patrick, of course, consumes this this breakfast in one gulp. He just picks up the table and, and just eats it all. Now, I love breakfast. I am a breakfast connoisseur. I would not do this. Uh, I don't eat plates. I don't eat the salt and pepper shakers. I don't eat the glass jars that the orange juice is in. That is not a part of a balanced breakfast. Don't eat glass. Don't eat plastic. Uh, don't eat cardboard. The He just ate the whole Kelbo box. Terrible. His son's right there, like, setting a bad example. Jeez, what a glutton. Uh, now, he, he says his goodbyes to Junior. Smells that, that Junior needs a diaper change. And calls over to Spongebob to do it while he ties his tie. He's getting ready for work. We look over at Spongebob and we see a scene of Spongebob that I just got to say get used to seeing in this episode. Because it's what he does for for the next bit uh, of the episode. And it's that stay-at-home mom Spongebob is an overworker. He is stationary, but at the same time he is vacuuming with his left foot and has... Uh, grown three other arms outside of his normal two. Now, for his his left hand, he is flipping more pancakes, and in his right hand, he is ironing a shirt, which uh, I'm assuming is Patrick's. But he has three other arms sprouting out from the top of his uh, his head. Uh, one on the on the left side uh, that is <laughs> dusting a rug. Just a rug is on a on a close on a close iron in the house, and he's just smacking like old moms would go outside. Not even saying old moms; people are probably still doing this now. What am I doing? I, I I'm associating this with old time stuff. And there's people out there cleaning their rugs in 2022, and I'm not giving their just due, but but I, I don't know. It's just I. I in, I've never come across that other than like an older movies. So that's, that's my association. And you just, you just saw me completely like 180 myself without even needing to read a single comment. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got the rug up there out on the, uh, the drawing line and he's whacking it with, with an instrument that you would use on a rug to, to clean it, to get the dust off. I mean, it's just a, a blunt object that is designed to really maximize the cleaning of your rug, but he's he's continually cleaning this this rug that 
is we've never seen in his house. And it's it's a joke that he's doing this extra work. I mean, I don't know if that's commentary. We're not going down that rabbit hole. If if stay at home moms are just doing they're they're trying to say that they're doing needless work. But I don't know. It, all that work needs to be done. It's it's cleaning. It's it is what it is. But uh, then between the other two appendages, the one from the top of his head and the other one coming out from the top right of his body, they are both wiping and windexing or window windex is a company that's dumb window cleaner spraying down the window that's up on the wall and they're cleaning it those are the, the two arms are doing now spongebob is completely his body and right leg are stationary and is able to talk to patrick off off screen but his other arms are constantly frantically doing these motions the vacuuming the ironing the dusting of the carpet, the cleaning of the window, the making of pancakes constantly. I he should stop most of those and just take care of the baby. But hey, that like that's the the joke of the show. That's the overall joke is that these characters are doing more than they should of this little situation. Patrick gets on his full his full dress gear. He has a a a, a jacket, a hat, and he reminds SpongeBob who's like, "Whoa, where are you going?" And and Patrick's like, I'm going to go to work. I'm the dad, remember? And just uh, one of my favorite lines of Patrick leaving the house. And I know it's, it, you know, in hindsight where he's going. It's just, it, it's a bad look on him. But don't you two stop being adorable. <laughs> but just one of my absolute favorite lines in this entire episode. Uh, now, SpongeBob is is left to to do everything himself now the entire day. The irony here is that out of the two of them, SpongeBob has a legitimate job. He works as a fry cook at the Krusty Krab. Patrick does not do anything all day and would be well more capable of taking care of the uh, the scallop all day while SpongeBob goes off to work than having Patrick go off to work and SpongeBob being stuck at home taking care of the scallop all day. But we then come back to nighttime. Patrick comes back from a from a hard day at work. I love the look of of Bikini Bottom from outside of the door when Patrick comes home. We get this green look in the water, just absolute gorgeous color choice there. Uh, I I like this moment of him coming home is is one of artistically one of my favorite moments of this episode. Uh, the the composition of the room. I absolutely adore it. it. If there was any way to hang that up on my wall so when I come home I can look like that, uh, I'd love to have, have that moment. Like when Mrs. Puff, when she comes home and uh, the square pants have, uh, have surprised her with a big old cake. And if you look on the wall framed in that in that episode you can see mrs puff like in the same doorway framed like that's how i would picture coming home just after a rough day just walking in but patrick doesn't even put his hat and jacket back up on the coat rack he just dumps it on the floor dumps his briefcase on the floor and then we see spongebob back in the same position we saw earlier except he has another hand another right hand holding on to junior uh, coddling him while Junior is crying, but he is still ironing, vacuuming, flipping pancakes, dusting a rug, and cleaning a window. Patrick just walks in front of him very slowly, completely ignores his friend, who clearly is doing a lot of work and needs some help. Patrick just goes right to the TV, sits down, and enjoys his favorite program, a guy getting hit in the head with a coconut. <laughs> 
I mean, there must be some other substance to the show, but at least the act of the guy getting hit in the head with a coconut really makes Patrick laugh. Uh, I love that when SpongeBob comes into the room to approach Patrick, looking for some assistance, that he's still doing all of the same acts. Like, he doesn't drop a single thing to come and talk to Patrick. He is still, he like, he brings in the vacuum and, and the frying pan, and instead of cleaning the window, he's just cleaning the door frame. Uh, I, I, like, the fact that that happens is absolutely hilarious. Patrick promises SpongeBob that he will help out tomorrow with all of these chores. Now, that really pleases SpongeBob. He seems to be okay with that. It puts a smile on his face. He has something to look forward to. We get a title card of tomorrow, and we get pretty much a repeat of the previous night, Patrick getting home, getting over to the television, and and SpongeBob looking completely disheveled uh, while doing all of the same chores. As I said, you would be seeing a lot of this happening in this episode. Now, SpongeBob approaches Patrick again. Patrick says, tomorrow for sure. We get a title card, tomorrow for sure. And we get a repeat yet again of Patrick coming home after another day of work, looking even worse for it. But SpongeBob after three days here is just visually exhausted and is looking for a little bit of help from his partner in this situation. Patrick's new response is that he will eventually get to it. Eventually we get another title card. We now can't, Get SpongeBob just drooping with exhaustion and the chores around him he's getting slower at. He's not flipping pancakes as fast or he's not vacuuming as hard. Uh, Patrick's new response is just, uh, we get another title card. We now have SpongeBob dropping all the chores and approaching Patrick with some anger, with some frustration over his laziness in taking care of Junior and helping out with the house. And, and... SpongeBob is very justified in this situation. I mean, Patrick has hasn't been helping out at all, and and at first he comes back with a uh, a bit of frustration himself. I mean, sure, if you work all day and then you come home and somebody starts yelling at you about what's going on, you you know you're already probably starting out in a negative place, and that's just going to make it worse. And he, you know, SpongeBob complains about the amount of times that he has to change Junior, and that Patrick has not helped change him at all since the first time. And, and Patrick sarcastically acts as if Junior doesn't really go to the bathroom that much and wouldn't need to change his diaper at all. And, and what? Like, he only goes this much. What follows is an iconic sequence of this episode, and it's SpongeBob revealing to the extent of, of just how bad it is in changing Junior's diapers. Now, this is all exaggeration, just comedic exaggeration. And if anything, sh this sequence as an allegory should show you just how extreme they're willing to go in their little storytelling, like comedically for comedic purposes. But SpongeBob reveals a trash bin of diapers of dirty diapers. Patrick blows it off. He then shows Patrick another corner of the house with not only a trash bin filled with dirty diapers, but bags filled with dirty diapers. Patrick becomes a little bit more aware of his transgression. Then SpongeBob shows him a refrigerator of dirty diapers that just completely pile out. Uh, then apparently the entire furniture in the house, the, the, the sofa, it's just a facade. 
It's not a sofa. It's dirty diapers with a sofa, like, covering over it. Uh, there's dirty diapers in the walls of the house. And then, of course, the the shining moment, the coup de grace, is showing Patrick that outside of the pineapple, there exists a mountain of dirty diapers. A mountain so high that it is legitimately covering Squidward's house. And I don't know how many out there didn't recognize that at first. But if you go back and watch, that mountain is on top of where Squidward's tiki house would be. And it is certainly taller than the than the house. So Squidward is just buried under Junior's dirty diapers. And at the front of this mountain, there exists uh, trucks and equipment just hauling out these dirty diapers like they literally have uh, an entire division of of the I can only imagine they have an entire division of of the the garbage crew right here taking care of this mountain of of waste but Patrick is now in full shock over how much of a terrible father he is he has this moment of redemption no longer can I be this neglectful of my family no longer can I be this neglectful of my kid tomorrow is a new I'm going to be a better father tomorrow so in the morning as as he leaves for work which it's it's just still funny that Spongebob is even letting him go to work but they have this little this little talk right in the morning that he's gonna he's gonna be home promptly after work to help out with the kid and it's just you can you can see so many married couples having Having these kind of, you know, these are all exaggerated, of course, but you can imagine that these kind of situations do happen to some degree around the world. Um, dad's not helping out with diapers, uh, working and then just coming home and, and and slogging on the couch. Maybe maybe mom's doing a little bit too much. I don't know if that's possible, but I don't know. There's a lot of little Many things you can you can take from this that are certainly blown up from probably real world events or or moments uh, but between couples. But six o'clock is the time on the dot that they are going to meet. Six p.m. is when Patrick is going to come home from work, and what follows is a title card of twelve midnight. Patrick has not come home until midnight. Six whole hours after he was supposed to be home from work. And when he finally comes through the door, it's super cliched that Patrick comes home with with the uh, the light shade on the head. It's it's just for some reason, it's the classic like if you need to show that there was a party going on or a cartoon character was there, to, uh, the party was just off the rails. You put a lampshade on their head. That's that's the key to know. That a, that a party went well. But he comes in very cliched at midnight with a lampshade on his head, giggling to himself. He was clearly doing something. He was somewhere. He's talking about a great party. And, and in he walks to see <laughs> SpongeBob in, uh, in hair curlers with red hair, apparently. And uh, I like that he has the nighty and, and just the fact that he was not even wearing socks either. The whole the angry mom look of like, do you know what time this is? Like just so perfect. I, this whole moment is hilarious. The, this whole sequence 
is absolutely hilarious of of Patrick coming home at uh, at 12 midnight because uh, then we get to find out what Patrick does for a living. Now, SpongeBob is rightfully upset because Patrick mentioned and promised that he was going to be home at 6 p.m. to help out. He doesn't make it. He's out partying. Uh, now, uh, now when SpongeBob pretty much throws it back at his face that like, Hey, you promised to come back. Patrick just, you know, immediately just throws him off and says, you know what? I don't need this and decides that he's going back over to his house, but he tells SpongeBob that he's going back to work to which SpongeBob now is realizing and putting two to two and two together. Like, wait, work and you're going back home. He angrily goes over, takes off the hair curlers, and lifts up Patrick's rock. And what we find is that Patrick is sitting at home watching the uh, the same program that we saw earlier of the guy getting hit in the head with the coconut. And we are now being shown what Patrick has been doing with his time each and every day that he leaves for work. He leaves SpongeBob's house and just goes over to his own home, sits around all day, watches TV and then goes back over to SpongeBob and and but acts as if he was doing a labor inducing job all day like showing up at home exhausted and clearly just not mentally there and just dragging himself over to the TV doing that whole dad thing and and his entire work is literally sitting at home and watching TV I love that when SpongeBob opens up his briefcase that he's been holding through this entire time, his briefcase is instead uh, a dozen donuts and uh, two different ice creams that are are latched on to the top of the briefcase with with its own little spoon latched on as well. This is this is Patrick's gear for work. It gets dumped on him, and and you you think with Patrick, he, he doesn't really get why SpongeBob's angry. Like he clearly doesn't understand how it looks and what he's doing and whatnot. Like you're not working. Uh, you're just wasting time, but he's so oblivious that after he's got all this ice cream and, and donuts dumped on him, SpongeBob's clearly upset. His only response is, so this is what I get for working overtime. And of course that just completely explodes SpongeBob and and our two parents here get in a massive argument. They they're in each other's faces. They are screaming at one another. They are both frustrated. Now SpongeBob, you know, has more right to be frustrated. There's a lot of broken promises that have been made on Patrick's end even when there was proof to to Patrick that that you know, hey, this is serious business and you have to take this job as a dad seriously. He's still decided to to goof around. But while the parents are arguing, they start hearing this chirping noise again, which brings up their uh, their original discussion from the beginning of the episode. Patrick, you know, claims there's that there's that noise again to which they look up and find that Junior has found himself in the top window of the pineapple and is dangling over the edge of the of the window. Patrick and SpongeBob run over to the pineapple to try to save their baby scallop before he falls to his demise. And as they make it to the pineapple, they discover that as they saw Junior fall, they went to go catch him and, and they couldn't catch him. They, they didn't make it. He, he unfortunately didn't make the fall. And they sit there and cry to themselves before they realize that it's not that they missed him. It's that Junior was just ready to fly and here he is flying in front of his parents and and ready to move on with himself in the world 
Uh, but before he leaves, he gives him his mother, SpongeBob, a nice little kiss on the cheek and decides to fly off. Now, Patrick has to, you know, remind him, like, you know, oh, Daddy's right down here. What about what about Daddy? Now, this might seem like it's a it's a big one up on on a neglectful father, but I believe that Junior just has a good sense of humor and and just knows what his dear old dad likes a a good old coconut to the head, which is which is what he gives Patrick before giving him a nice little kiss on the cheek before flying off. SpongeBob and Patrick wave off to their little scallop. I mean, they only had him for for a couple days here before he was ready to fly off into the world and. And they really didn't do anything to help make this happen. I mean, that's that's what is so funny about this episode. Like, sh- you can have the the weird, angry discussions all you want about these characters and the choices they make in this episode. But at the end of the day, they are two characters who took a job upon themselves to take care of an animal that didn't require that much care. And those characters then went above and beyond in their duties of being parents and took their jobs to a ridiculously serious degree. And just even finding out what Patrick's job was about, seeing how lazy he is and that he's willing to keep up the facade of just a, a, a like a bad father. But I, I that's just everything about this episode is supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be ridiculous. And, and it's supposed to just be as ridiculous as even as even its last line of of dad patrick turning to to spongebob mom and saying let's have another a classic joke of of what one parent might say to another and that's that's the joke is there's they're just jokes about parents in this episode it's not meant to be taken seriously and you could really say that about any cartoon any any episode of this show, any cartoon character, I mean, they're they're here to make us laugh. And sometimes cartoons are, yes, they're, you know, they're there to make you think. But, you know, nine times out of ten, those thoughts that you have are really started and had with yourself. You know, messages that come out of cartoons are really your own thoughts. Uh, like I had mentioned earlier, a lot of the media attention that this episode got where were people uh, taking their own insecurities and just latching on to this and adding more context onto this episode than there needed to be. There doesn't need to be context. It's just supposed to be funny. And there can certainly be truths in, in humor. There certainly are. Usually when you make a joke, there, there can be elements of truth. And when you're making marriage jokes like this, they're usually stemming from either references you're making or, you know, experiences one may have and then just turning it up to a to a comedic level. But uh, it's it's not meant to go beyond the fact that these characters time in and time out will always take the the smallest little little thing in the world and make a big deal out of it. And, And I think that's why it's so beautiful that at the beginning of this episode, these characters took the uh, rubber band just the smallest part of the newspaper but it was the most important part to them and with that ladies and gentlemen my name is captain eric and this is another episode of i'm ready a sponge pod square cast 
Uh, if you enjoy any of the content that I produce and you'd like to see some more, I'll have my YouTube channel, as always, in the podcast description, uh, along with any uh, other uh, social media links that you may find interesting, my Instagram, my Twitter. Check all those out. I am pretty active. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter, but I like to share images here and there on Instagram uh, once in a while. But uh, please, please stay safe out there. Be, be kind to one another. Love one another. We're only here for a short period of time. We might as well make it a good one. Uh, I love each and every one of you. Thank you for making me a part of your week. Uh, thank you for being a part of mine. I hope you're staying safe, and we will see you here next week. Ooh. So this is the thanks I get for working overtime. I'm ready.